Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Hi everyone, this is Chatting with Nat. Yes, it's Natalie Jean, it's Natalie Jean, and today we have the honor of having singer-songwriter, recording artist, Kama Linden. Kama Linden is a fireball of energy, passion, and versatility. This gutsy lyricist draws you in with her edgy lyrics and voice, lulls you in with smooth vocals, and has you grooving with sultry sounds that are undeniably her own. Live on stage, she has gathered many, a crowd at various festivals and other venues, large and small. She spent three years touring the USA and Amsterdam in 2007 in support of her first release, Uninhibited 2006, a mix of pop, rock, and some urban dance mixes, which keeps the listener both interested and entertained. and has been touring the USA and abroad in support of her second album release, Better Late Than Never, which has a balance of fully produced songs as well as simpler, more acoustic takes. Southern Comfort, 2013, along with her children's song single, It Takes All Kinds, 2013, were recorded in Nashville with all live studio musicians. And now the long-awaited new studio album, Everything in Good Time, which is both a dedication to her nana, mom, and love for the Jersey Shore, but the self-reflective, mostly biographical, adult contemporary album you have all been waiting for once again. This was recorded in Nashville under the direction of master engineer Rodney Engel at Mystic Studios, thanks to Darla Perlozzi. Let's give a round of applause to artist Kama Linden. Thank you How are so you? much, Natalie Jean. I'm good. I'm calling you from the Jersey Shore. I'm calling you from Belmar, as my third track is called Belmar Breezes. I figured I would lay on you some Belmar. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now, I'm, now I have to go there. I gotta figure. I've got to find that place. Um, so, how oh, have you? Wonderful. How have you been during this whole crazy time? This pandemic craziness. Oh, okay. So where do I start? Oh. Um, I'll start at the beginning, I guess. March 13th was mm-hmm. actually March 12th was my second to last day of filming so that when I'm not making music, I was, I, I am still actually a performer, actress. I work on a lot of film and TV, um, okay. SAG-AFTRA films mostly. And I happened to have been a principal dancer on a show called The Other Two. And it was supposed mm-hmm. to be the season one for uh, the Molly Shannon show. We're all doing this uh, little dance to a takeoff of Footloose, and it's supposed to be right. her, and it's like her game show. And, you know, it's like kind of like Justin Bieber's her son, give or take, and then he goes off to college, and she's like, now what? So she becomes this talk show host. So here we are in Central Park, and they've started, like, shutting down the bathrooms and shutting down Broadway, and the the lady who was our choreographer is like, dance like this is your last job and sure enough march 13th 
I go to work on a show that I, I work on as a as a corrections officer, and we get into our uniform, and then uh, we get into makeup, we get into hair, we're all dressed, we're all ready to start filming, and they say, everybody, you're wrapped. And I was like, what? <laughs> sure enough, that was the day that New York City shut down all film permits, <sighs> and then March 16th was my last day working at the gym, and <laughs> as of then, the entire city shut down. And I'm just like, now what? So for the first time in my life, I'm trying to navigate unemployment like most people. And I literally start sleeping 12 hours a day because what else are you going to do? But then I was like, no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start to just exercise and take my guitar out to the streets. Mm. And sure enough, what I do, I just open my case sat on every street corner I could. I even went to like some richer areas in Westchester and parks and, and I just put out my CDs, put out my case. And guess what? I sold probably more CDs last year live anyway, than I have like ever. Um, just because I'm like, screw this. I'm going to make, you know, lemons out of lemonade, or lemonade out of lemons, whatever. So sure enough, I took to the streets. And then as soon as I was able to, I drove down to Nashville slept in the car on the way down there. Darla, even crazier story how everything in good time finally got produced is I was supposed to use the same people I used for Southern Comfort, and okay. he ended up flaking on me. And instead of just giving me back my refund, Darla took over the studio. She's like, what can I do for you to make this happen? She wow. got me the best musicians in the world. These guys were furloughed from A-lister tours. I mean, my piano player, Tony Tolliver, was the, the piano player for Alison Krauss. I don't remember who Jim works for, but Jim, like, would get into my head. And, like, certain songs, like, if, I, if, um, if I'm wrong or, or I just, like, give him the idea of what I'm looking for. And he's like, he's like, you mean like this? And then Tony will add a line and Jim will add a line. It was just magic. If you ever saw the movie once, it was that on crack. You know, it was just like having these amazing musicians at my disposal. And oh my gosh. And it's like, I didn't even have to spend that much money compared to my past albums. I had right. the best musicians in the world willing to work their butt off as if they were never going to work again also. And, and they gave me a product I could not believe. And yes, the studio is run and owned by the fabulous Darla Perlozzi. Again, a woman of force, you know, she's amazing also. She's played drums for everybody, and she's like, you know what, I want to own the studio. And sure enough, she took over Jim Breeden's studio, and, you know, she, I was one of her first, you know, projects after the pandemic, and I was literally the second day in there. And then she gives me Rodney, and Rodney is not only a master artist himself, but he's like the best engineer I've ever had. I managed to track all the um, music the first day in 14 hours the, all four musicians just stayed all day until it was done and then the next day I show up at noon and I'm like alright let's rock and roll so I sang every one of my songs after that I just went in and did every background vocal and wow. probably four or five hours I was out of there and then you know Rodney's like go home and I'll do the rest and mix it and make it beautiful and, and that's how it happened wow so that was your pandemic, but my God, I love I love your story. You have resilience because you're like, no, nope, not sleeping 12 hours a day. I'm getting my butt out of bed, and I'm going to make some money somehow. Exactly. It was like I 
I had a schedule going. I would do my yoga, then I'd either go for a run or do step aerobics in the park. And after a while, everyone knew me because I'd like my weights on the ground and do my step aerobics. And then I would take my guitar, go to wherever I was going that day, you know, sit with my case open, two, three hours, sell CDs, make music, talk to people. If someone needed a hug, I didn't care. I was like, you know what? Whatever. It's like, if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, but I'm going to go down, you know, being remembered somehow. That's how I felt. It was like, I'm just like, if I die, I want to be remembered. I want to be remembered for music. If someone wants a hug, I'll give them a damn hug. I don't care. You know, I just wanted to make people happy if I could. And then, uh, you know, I had my aerobic schedule. I had my music schedule. <laughs> and this was what kept me centered and, and, like, from going into either depression or gaining 100 right. pounds like the rest of the world was complaining about. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I understand that 100 pounds. Well, I didn't gain 100 pounds. But I understand that weight gain. I don't I, – you know what's funny about that? You don't even notice that you're gaining the weight. You're just like, okay, I'm home. And I work out every day. I used to teach aerobics. But something sure. was changing with my body. And, and the funny thing is, during COVID, it seems like everybody was eating things that they normally didn't eat. And that was the source of contention. And I think people just needed some kind of comfort food uh, to deal with all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I ended up getting a Peloton and losing the weight. But <laughs> because I need to get that off my booty. Um, but I like the fact yeah, I was that like you- the opposite way. <laughs> yeah, I all I did was work out. <laughs> I, I free. I had to remember to eat. <laughs> I'm just like, oh right, go eat something. <laughs> oh my God, I wish. I, I wish. Listen, I had. I wish I'd been with you, because you would have been a great. <laughs> um, did you? I know that you played outside. Did you do any live streaming at all? Um, I tried to, but you know. Here's a crazy story. I bought, you know, I have a couple of different Macs, and I have to eventually just get a really new, new one because, mm-hmm. as you know, with certain um, certain years of Mac, they don't talk to certain softwares and they don't talk to certain mm-hmm. things. So I actually got uh, cast to do Eva, like uh, I forget what it is, what it stands for, but basically they pay you to do a live stream, but you have to do this particular. Um, you have to use a certain app in order for it to happen. And the particular mm-hmm. year of Mac that I have is right. infuriating. It cannot be upgraded to any other software. We've tried like a million times. I think a lot of it is just it may not have a large enough uh, memory. But it's a super fast computer, so I don't get rid of it. And it's really good for like typing and stories and, and movie editing and stuff like that. So I do like it for that. But when it comes to like live streaming or even, you know, Zoom now that Zoom changed itself, you know, I can't do the backdrop behind me the way I used to really? because they upgraded the software. I can't even do the silly backdrop behind me. It's it's like because of the particular year of Mac that it is, it cannot be upgraded even to Catalina. It's driving me nuts. So I bought in 216, but I realized it's a 215. And for some reason, 215 has a bug. I don't know. Um, but eventually I am going to have to get another computer and I just, you know, there was an issue with it. So, um, the insurance paid for everything to be fixed. So they're like, Oh, this computer will last you at least another four or five years. So don't get another one now. So I'm like, all right, fine. I canceled the order for the brand new one I was going to get. Um, but that's the thing with the live streaming is I would have to use my Samsung 2020, 20 here, which actually, believe it or not, might be a better, live stream source because actually the mic is pretty good 
Um, you know, picture quality is good for, for stuff. Right. It's just it's just going to have a phone look to it as opposed to, you know, being able to use my laptop and be comfortable at home. I don't know. But um, so eventually – uh, the people who hired me for that, I said, we'll, we'll work it out when we when right. I figure out the software tick. But, um, yeah, so that's the only reason I haven't done a true live stream. But what I had done instead was I would do, like, mini concerts and then just, like, edit the clips down and put them on YouTube. So if you go on my YouTube, you'll see the Christmas concert, and I do it individual, you know, songs, but I also do it so it's, like, three songs at a time. So, you know, you don't have to try to navigate the whole thing. And then I'll do things like now that I've gotten back to swimming, because once the gym opened, I started like just calling and trying to see where I could swim. And LA Fitness was like, yeah, we got a beautiful lap pool. And, you know, I sometimes when in, they had the only two people could swim at a time or whatever, or whatever, because I'm now, like I said, I've gotten crazy where I'm just like, if I don't swim, I'm not mm-hmm. happy. So if I've, gone to a point where I swim 120 laps, you know, three oh. times a week. It takes me about two hours. Yeah, I'm a freak. I mean, before before COVID, I was doing 100. So now I'm up to 120. And at one point, I was doing 130, but um, my shoulder's like, yeah, back off a little. So I do 120 now. I love, I love that you're a freak. That's beautiful. Own it. Own it! <laughs> I love it! Um, so during, so I asked this question of everybody. I mean, Wow, you I mean you were up and at them. You were doing your thing during the pandemic. But during that time, did you take time to self-reflect about the artist that you wanted to be because a lot of people that I talked to, you know, they took the time they said, "You know what? They decided they wanted to go a different way because, you know, the pandemic opened their eyes to a lot of things. Life is short is even shorter." Um so they changed how they wanted to be perceived as, as an artist. They changed their goals. Did that affect you in any way? Did you change anything about how you want to be perceived as an artist? Um, well, you know what? I knew that the album that I was making, Everything in Good Time, was going to be a, a very beautiful personal project for me. And just by changing my team, that kind right. of, you know, changed the sound. And I, right. I can't even begin to tell you how pleased I am. I mean, the best thing I could say is if I die tomorrow, this is my legacy. This is the album I leave behind. I'm fine with that. And that's how I feel. Um, I won't say how it changed me as an artist, but I think as a, as a person, you know, like uh, two people I know did, did die of COVID, one from high school. Um, and it's funny, the gym never rehired us back. And I'm honestly fine with it because once filming started again, all I mm-hmm. do is film, which is fine. And then mm-hmm. I started, I became a substitute teacher for the New York City schools. So... Oh for about four months straight, if I wasn't filming, and there were some days where I was filming and teaching, it was like a bit insane. I was up for like 36 hours, but, um, you know, I would come in, I would teach middle school and the kids are great. They're, I, I mean, part of it is like, I feel bad for them because they're like learning off a of TV, which I think is insane. You know, sometimes I'm in school some kids were home, some kids were in school, but the teachers be home. So you're like, okay, the kids are like watching their teacher who's like on TV as opposed to being, okay, whatever. You know, um, it was a very strange, I mean, all I could say is when I learned in school, they had things like a blackboard or similar like that. Now they have a smart board and it's like all electronic. And, you know, if a kid comes up to you and says, my Wi-Fi is not working, my password's not working, you know, and it's just like, this is, this is learning. 
I don't know. It's like, and then their poor eyes. And then they go from that to just playing video games when they're, you know, not doing schoolwork. But I'm like, your life is on a computer and, and your phone and you don't have a life. You don't know music. So when I, when they like found out that I was a musician and an actor, like some of them were like, I want to be an actor. I want to be a musician. I'm like, okay, but you know, there's work involved. You can't just suddenly right. be famous. It doesn't work that way. You know, there's actually, you have to learn the craft. <laughs> you have to learn how to play more than a chord. You, your fingers are going to hurt. You're going to learn technique and, and, and how to relate off other people. So it's not just about, you know, being a TikTok star if you want it for real. Yeah. This is about learning your craft and learning how to um, relate to another human being, especially on camera. Um, you know, sometimes it's just about being able to, like, for, I did something for Michael Che back in um, November and I actually put it on my YouTube, the clip of it. Um, and some of it, it was like, it was like a joke on the Fitbit and how it, um, if all the protesters, both the Black Lives Matter protesters and the, you know, All Lives Matter and all that stuff, if they all wore Fitbit, imagine what the Fitbit would read. So there's a scene where, uh, you know, I'm I'm supposed to be like one of the rednecks and me and two other guys, we like put up our wrist in the, with the Fitbit. It's just really cute. So, um, you know, has nothing to do with my political beliefs. So I'm like, shoot, if I get camera time, I'm doing it. So course I'm going to do it you know it, it's one more credit on my resume why not um but you have to be willing to sometimes do things that might be different than what you do in, in real life you know you just have to be open to that um I think another thing also about being an artist especially a country artist is you know you're going to go down to Nashville they're going to think differently than you do they're going to eat differently than you do right. certain things you don't talk about you don't talk politics you don't talk sports it's just <laughs> <laughs> you talk music and that's it you know uh you, you try to keep it to that because you, you, the point is you want fans you don't want enemies <laughs> and um you know i try to keep my my page switzerland if i if i'd like to call it that it's like nope, my my page is about music and me taking pictures when i'm at the jersey shore and having a good time and and that's what will be posted on my page we'll never see political comments on my page and if they're there they get deleted not by me of course you know by other people so. it's interesting that you talk about that because <clears throat> uh, you know i have a lot of friends in the music industry and they, they're similar they you know on my music page i don't talk about anything political although i do social impact message songs so i guess i do kind of talk about it a little bit but on their main page listen if you're coming to argue with me just get ready to argue um and the past six years was very interesting. I learned a lot about people that I didn't know, and some of them are no longer my friends. I think that people can have their own opinion because this is America. You, you, the facts are facts. <laughs> and you know, some yeah. people I found out that I found out some of my friends were extremely racist, and and, and you know, I was saddened by that. Very, you know, it's just like, well, I guess the pandemic opened a lot of stuff. You learned a lot about different types of people, that's okay, you know, they're not there anymore, I move on, and I embrace people like you, positive, wonderful people in my life, and that's it, um, but to also piggyback on something that you said about LA Fitness, I was working for LA Fitness, too, and, I mean, they don't call you, they don't say anything, they're just like, uh, I swear to God, if they ever call me, I'll have a few choice words for them, I worked for them for, like, 13 years, 13 years, they don't even bother to say anything. I'm just waiting because I know they'll call. Um, 
Uh, I worked for New York Sports for 22 years, and yeah, it's like whatever. And honestly, I'm fine with it because honestly, do you want to teach a fitness class with a mask on? No, no. I sure no. don't. That's I insane. I was just like, you know what? And what's funny is that before the pandemic, I was like, oh my god, I don't feel like teaching anymore. I don't. And then the pandemic hit, and I was like, okay, goodbye. That's it. No, I don't have to do it anymore. But anyway. What um, in your life made you decide that you wanted to get into the music industry, into acting? Was it something that you saw? Was it something that you felt? Was it something that you heard? What What was that whoa mo- moment for you? Well, everything's been an evolution. I mean, I, I've been thankfully exposed to music and dance and theater since I was very young. And I was in the drama program. I was, you know, in all the dance stuff and it's funny because like when mold took over my apartment and they destroyed my apartment and I find things like old scripts and I find my dance award from a teacher that's no longer you know of this earth she died years ago and I'm just like oh my gosh you know it's like and I forget that I've actually choreographed things like musicals and Mm -hmm. I'm like oh my gosh and then dancing became you know theater and dancing and, and musical theater and choreography and then I just started writing my own songs. Like they just wake me up in the middle of the night. They had to be written. It was a calling. It wasn't even like a choice. It just was, um, you know, if I woke up and I'm like, dude, I just started writing. That, that's how my life was. I could run and listen to somebody else's song and write a song and it wouldn't be plagiarism at all. It wouldn't even be the same chord right. or key or anything. It just, for whatever reason, Whatever I was listening to while running gave me the inspiration to write what I wrote, I, I for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, but everything was like a calling. And then it was a process. And then at first it was like, okay, how do I get it recorded? So then you find first very bad producers. Then you find producers that, although good, they, you know, cost a lot of money. And then you find someone who's like, okay, well, I made a mistake, but you still have to pay for it to have it redone again. It's like, what? Yeah. Um, so I went through that a lot. And then of course, when you want to, you know, start performing out and you're trying to get a band together and you have all these bozos who want to get paid, but they don't necessarily want to learn the music the way it's supposed to be done. And I had this one drummer where all he knew was loud. And sure enough, he came in and was like, okay, I guess my country song is going to be Scott today. Fine. Um, <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Enough paying these bozo musicians, learn to play an instrument. So granted, I played piano not well, but I played piano as a kid. Right. I was determined to learn the guitar. So I had a few lessons with like a very famous person who took to teaching. And although he's a very good writer, he's not very good at teaching brand new beginners who really don't know where to put their fingers. My best teacher was actually one of my musicians who's like, oh, put the cable here, put your finger there, blah, blah, blah. So eventually he just got me started. And then every time I wrote a new song, it became a guitar lesson. So I learned all kinds of chords. And then sometimes I just like look and feel every time I let right. somebody play. How do you play that chord? What is that chord? You know, um, I'm always trying to learn new stuff. And even during the pandemic, there's this guy, Chris, he does um, guitar lessons. He has like a package where all of his guitar lessons are all um, pre-recorded, and there's like I don't know 20 or 22 lessons for the for the 199. 
And when mm. I tell you, it was totally worth it because I, I totally learned some new chords, like a B7. Um, I've actually been working on getting my bar chords down. I'm just like, what? But the B7 is like my favorite new chord. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's going to become something for a future song because I just have to use it. Um, so every every time I learn a new chord, it might become a new chord progression. When I learned another me, or I, when I wrote another me, that chord progression was based off the Tom Petty chords that was taught to me by Martin Briley. When I wrote Easier, I had just uh, finished a course with Guitar Monster where they were doing uh, C7, F7, G7. I was like, oh, this is pretty going back and forth. So sure enough, I I came up with that song based on the chords that I learned in that one little lesson. Okay. Um, And sometimes I don't write the chords because I write to my voice. You never know what's going to come out. And it just so happens that vocally... I like B, I like D, I mm-hmm. like all the chords that the musicians are like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> like, so, especially because B is one of my, and B flat is one of my, my keys I sing in, um, they're just kind of like, okay, we're doing it, okay. <laughs> um, so, anyone who plays guitar is like, that's one of the pain in the ass keys to play in, and of course, if you play piano, it's equally a pain in the ass key because it's all sharps. <laughs> um, but you know that's where that's where my voice likes to lie sometimes. And a, a, a running joke is because sometimes if I'm doing something more more um, in a rock vein, or if I just don't want to hit all the bar chords and I want to do like first and fifths, or or you know just do an open type situation, everyone's like, "Why do you only write in minor keys?" I'm like, "I've got some major songs. I've got some songs that are major." You know, she's on country's major. They go for mama's major. But the running joke is that I play all these minor keys in my music. Okay. That's okay. That's you. That's authentically you. (laughs) So we're going to play Make Room for Mama. What's that song about? It's a party song. It's a fun, like, you know, women take over the world. You just got home from work. You're changing into your hot outfit you're going out with your friends and you're just out to have a good time no holds barred put on some dancing shoes have a good time with your girl pals and and cause trouble or whatever but it's all about fun and there's two versions there's the original version which came out in 13 but the best version is the 2020 version because it has all my wonderful musicians jim and tim and tony and darla on that with rodney so i sure hope you like it all right, let's play Thank you. 
Because like you could record it one way and come back and record it in another way and it becomes something totally different. What do you love about being an artist? Oh my goodness, it's just who I am. And how do you not love yourself and what you do? Um, or at least I hope you should. Um, part of it is not only creating. For me, it's always you know the creating, but the relating creating and relating huh um like basically it's summertime so i'm down the jersey shore and my guitar is out i'm on various boardwalks playing my music and you know people are not only just so generous monetarily wise but even if someone doesn't have a dollar or whatever you know or they just want to connect with you and then they're like yeah of course i'll download your music on spotify i'm gonna add you right now you know or they tell you their story or they tell you what they're going through and sometimes you your song you're like oh my gosh i was walking down the boardwalk and especially during covid you know people are like oh my gosh i was walking down the boardwalk i was in the park and then there you were and i heard that voice and you just Mm -hmm. made me you know you just changed how i was feeling today or you it just i was thinking about this and i was worried about this and oh my gosh i'm in a better place now because you were sitting there playing your music if that's what i'm remembered for then so be it let every i even had children that were like little little ones used to come up and give me a dollar 
20 mm. years later, pick up a guitar and be like, I'm an adult now and I play music. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, that's amazing. So why wouldn't I want that to be what I do? I mean, you know, fame and fortune would be nice, but what what is this gift that I'm giving to people, getting them into music, getting them to, you know, try something that they wouldn't have tried otherwise? I know, you know, for me, like various people I used to watch in concert, I used to be totally smitten with the whole oh this girl writes music oh this guy gets up on stage and plays music and then suddenly I started writing and I was like I could do that I could do that and sometimes maybe even better and I'm not just saying that to be you know like that but it's just like maybe I am better but I don't want to be thinking myself like oh I'm better than you it's not about that but it's just um it can be done and I find a better way to do it or a stronger way to do it or how can I produce it so it sounds like something you hear on the radio as opposed to what you did in your bedroom. I, I want it to, if I put out something, I want it to be quality. Um, right. at, granted, I have only a certain budget I can work with because I'm funding things myself, but at the same time, I've learned from past mistakes and bad producers. It's like, no, I don't have to, you know, accept mediocre at any price. Um, and I've sometimes paid like way too much and, and gotten mediocre and said, no, this is unacceptable. And, you know, how to go redo things until I was satisfied and whatever it cost me, it cost me. I don't have that luxury now. I mean, back in the day when I was teaching fitness, I don't know about you, but shoot, I was, I was earning a lot of money, a lot of money, I'd say in my first eight years. And then the gym decided to try to cut you back because you were earning too much money and you couldn't have a proper salary and be paid for what you do, which is really sad. And I think sometimes as an artist, you know, we have to remember what we do is work, although we love it, what we do right. is work and you deserve to be paid for it. As an actor, like everyone so while, now I'm union, but, you know, think about it when you were first starting out, you're like, oh, you'll get exposure being an extra for free. Right. It's like, no, that's, I mean, you get paid to go to your job. Why can't I get paid to go to my job? I don't understand. Or even with some, I did real estate for 10 years. And the worst thing is, you know, you take someone to see a bazillion apartments or houses and they can't accept that you deserve to be paid for what you do. And people will always try to scam and go around and try to talk to the landlord and try to talk to the, the seller and this and the other thing. I'm like, this is the one business where you can run yourself ragged and not make a dollar. And people are like, I'm like, what do you think I am? Like a, a tour guide? No, this is, this is my job and I deserve to be paid for my, you know, for my efforts here. Right. So explaining that to people, sometimes it's just like, well, you're just a realtor. You make a lot of money. I'm like, not if people keep scamming me and trying to like, wait till right. I get back in the car and go talk to the seller. No, that's not the way it is. And even as a music artist, you know, you deserve to be paid when you go to someone's house and you put up, put out all your speakers and you drove your car there and you, you did everything, learn yeah. the songs the way they want to learn it. Oh, well, it's exposure. No, it's, or the best is, Certain certain cities, or, or they're like, how many people did you bring? I'm like, how about this? Get a better restaurant that people want to come to. I'll entertain them and you pay me. You know? Because that's, that's what happens when I go to out of town. And, and they're like, yeah, well, even if it's like 150 or whatever it is they're paying for the three hours. You know, you dragged your equipment. You drove there. You paid the tolls, the gas, and everything. And I used to love going up and down the coast and doing Maryland and Virginia and, you know, Pennsylvania. But sometimes now it's like sad, but, you know, I can't expect them to pay more than they can. But at the same time, if all of the money goes into the gas tank and worse, the toll booth, and I'm just like, okay, I'm at a negative def deficit here, even if I did sleep in the car tonight. You know, it's just like, oh, my gosh, you know, it, it's come to the point where 
these toll booths and, and the gas prices are making it impossible to like tour for real where it's just like, I just want to be able to do that. But how, how do you fund it? And, 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 you know, there are good restaurants and stuff that are willing to pay something, but yeah. as an acoustic performer, you're, you know, a certain budget versus say like a band, but then you're splitting the money between all these people. And again, it's like, well, who's going to pay for this and who's going to rehearse and, you know, they right. want to be paid no matter what, but they don't want to put the work into it. Like the rehearsal. So you're tight. And that's why I do it as a lone wolf, because I'm like, you know what? Every time I've tried to have a band, oh, well, we're running a little bit late. We'll get there. Uh, you know, and it's like, and then the manager is like, we're not going to have you again because your bozo musicians aren't serious. So right. you have to do everything yourself. I hear you. I hear you. Now we're going to play your song, If I'm Wrong. What is that about? You know, that is a song that wrote itself so quickly. And of course, another, it's, it's, it's one of those songs where like, I was driving down 70, heading toward the 7-Eleven from Belmar. And it's mm. just, you know, it's, it's sort of a devil may care way of living your life, which is like, you know what, I got to at least try, I got to at least be me, I have to give it all and put, put, you know, faith to the wind and say, it's going to be okay. I need to do my art. I can't just you know, work a nine-to-five job just because that's what I'm supposed to do. Because guess what? Come COVID, what happened to all of us? We all got shut down. Even when you had a real job. Oh, goodness. Even if I became a school teacher for real and I had the $90,000 a year salary, Mm y'all were shut down too. I mean, granted, their union was paying them. But I'm just saying, you know, think about all the people who got the safe jobs. They all got shut down too. So... You got to live your life. You got to live your dream and have people tell you, you know, oh, well, that's very hard. You're going to fail or you might fail or, you know, only so many people make it. Well, you know what? Should I live my life in misery to make you happy or do I live my life for real? Whatever the cost, whatever it takes. And, you know, if I fly, I I fly and I soar and I enjoy it. If I fall, you know what? I got to try. I pick myself back up and and figure out what I did wrong and do it again and and figure out a better way. But you have to live your life for you. You can't let parents or, you know, people who think they're doing you a favor, oh, well, that's very hard, so you shouldn't do it. Then what's the point of life? That's right. What's the point of life? What's the point of life? I get it. All right, we're going to play If I'm Wrong.
That was a song, like, I think it's a song that I could, like, play constantly over and over, and, and it just, it is me. <laughs> that song is me. <laughs> what What's the one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? Oh, to go to Nashville and just record there. No. And, and never, ever, ever use a New York producer or listen to stupid <laughs> New York guys who think they know everything um i only got to nashville in 2008 after my second album was recorded and i spent way too much money on it although it was great um i just only wish that i knew now about recording especially with this last team oh my gosh i will i i mean i am singing darla's praises like you don't know um, what she did for me, incredible, incredible, incredible. Um, like I said, those guys play with the big wigs and they're recording with little old me, you know, and it's just like, I wish I knew that recording should be done like that with right. my first two albums where I didn't wait, waste years of time and money and just now I know there is the right way to do it. And every time I, I um, someone comes up to me like, oh, I have a studio or my friend has a studio, I'm like, like I know what I want to do I know I know where to go from now on and that's where I'm going and that's it <laughs> you know I I'd, that will just you know wear on my nerves but um that was basically it you know first of all trust myself um mm. watch out for for underhanded people labels etc you know who will steal from you and be happy to take your money um yeah in other situations where I've, you know, just been a little bit too um, trusting and or, well, you kind of knew you were signing a deal with the devil, but you signed it anyway. I know. I know. I know. I know. And I made uh, big financial mistakes in that respect, but what are you going to do? I mean, you pick yourself up, you get back. Yeah. You get back up on the horse and that's it. You know, or get back on the surfboard, which I will learn. I swear I will learn. I mean, the way I swim, and I do yoga and have sick balance that I do these things. Like I do my yoga on the boardwalk or under my tree and people watch me. They're like, you were in that position for five minutes on one leg. I'm like, 
your point. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it's like the fact that I haven't been on a surfboard is really just my fear of open water and sharks. Um, <laughs> but I do have the stamina. I can swim. I swim for two hours straight, you know, so it's like, come on, man. I, I have the strength to do it. I just have to get over my fear of open water and, and sharks. So um, one day I will get back on that board. I will get on a board and I will, I will surf. Even if I'm 80, I will surf. I believe point. you. I believe you. <laughs> what, is, what is one quote or message you like to live by? Oh, you know what? You got to make your own life. You got to make your own happiness. Um, that's all you can do. I mean, like whenever I like, you know, just last night on the boardwalk, um, I won't even get too much into it, but you know, when people tell you about their hangups and their, and their crap, and I don't mean real tragic things that happened to them. Right. I'm just saying these are self-made, you dug yourself in a hole, get yourself out of it type of stuff, or they are definitely the glass half empty type of people you got to stay away from them or cut the ties or do not allow yourself to be codependent to that. I mean, yes, I want to help people. I will do my best to give you, you know, some advice that will get you on your way. But after you've done that and they're like, oh, no, that can't work. These are people that you need to cut ties from. You cannot let that in your life long term. And it's really sad when it's someone you might be related to. You have to actually put that person at a distance and only – deal with them when necessary because you need to take care of yourself. You need to take care of your mental health. You need to take care of your own happiness. Person was trying to be like, Oh, I have a place you could stay. You know, let's be honest. When I travel up and down the coast, half the time I sleep in my car because you know what? People don't slam the doors all night. I mean, you want to like to pay for a motel or pay for a hotel and you don't sleep because all people are doing is slamming the damn doors all night. Oh yeah. And now I'm out $130 and I didn't sleep. So I'm pretty yeah. pissed off at this point. And it's just like, you know what? I find a quiet little spot under a tree. In a, you know, I blend in with the neighborhood. I put shades up around my car. I sleep in the back seat like a baby. And then I wake up the next day refreshed. I go to the boardwalk. I go for my run. I sit under a tree. I do my yoga. You have to take this kind of time for you that – when you go back home, you know you're going to deal with drama. I have a horrible manager. You know, I, I own my apartment, but, I mean, it's a horrible situation. And, you know, I'm, as soon as, you know, I figure out another situation, I will move. But it's going to be a while, especially, with, you know, COVID and all that happened. But it's just like I know I'm going to go home to some drama because they had to cut apart my wall to get into somebody else's wall. I'm like, I have no idea what my apartment's going to be like when I get home. I could – who knows? I don't know what I'm coming home to. I was like literally out of my apartment for 30 days back in March because of a mold situation. And it's just like, they will do their best to bring you down, but you need to either use that to write or rise up above or find yourself ways to, you know what? I just told myself, look, here's the keys. You have fun. Guess what? I'm going to disappear to the beach and I'll come back if and when I feel like it, whenever that is. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go back late tonight because I, I want to check my mail and stuff. But it's just like you have to take that time for you because if you don't, you're going to burn out. And I learned that being a fitness instructor. I mean, think about it. All these wonderful tours that, like, I was so worried that if I take too much time off, I'm going to lose my classes. Well, guess what? I lost my classes anyway because there were backstabbing people who became managers who didn't like that I had too much and they stole them back from me. So guess what? 
you're going to lose your classes anyway. Why didn't I stay a whole month in Australia? Because I was so afraid that I would lose my classes. So I was only there for eight days. I was in Australia. I should have taken the damn month and gone to Australia for a month and done the continent the way I should have done the continent. Not saying I didn't, you know, have a good time. But, you know, I met a guy down there that if I had a full month with him, who knows? I might be living in Australia calling you from Australia right now. But I didn't have the full time that I really needed to get to know this boy. And, you know, is he going to come here? No. It's just like it's a whole thing. But, you know, that could have been the love of my life. That if I would have said, screw the job, go and be happy, everything else will figure itself out. So I've learned from these things that it's just like you can't keep just living for the job. You have to live for you. You have to live for the art. I mean, as we all figured out, guess what? You could have the safest job in the world and COVID made you unemployed. So then what? Did the gym hire me back? No. I gave them so many years of my life and so many years of my life that I gave them full time because I was so worried about, you know, not keeping all my classes. 25 classes a week I was up to at one point. That's six. Great, I would make a lot of money, but that's sick. Could you imagine the toll it took on my body or, or just on my mental state of being? And if a member made a complaint and then they had a whole meeting about it, blah, blah, blah. It was basically, they were like these cheerleaders from high school, like abusing me. And, and I'm just like, you know what? Why did I give my life to these people? Why did I stop auditioning at one point when I should have been auditioning for musical theater all throughout this time and sucked out my damn classes and just auditioned for the big shows? But I liked my comfort. I liked the money that was coming in. Granted, I used the money to, you know, make my albums, which I did, and I'm thankful for that. And it taught me to write music and maybe take that path. But at the same time, you know what? I had put my dream on hold for a while for these bozos that, like, were undeserving of my talents. And then I learned, you know, later on, it's like, screw them all. You're going to go back into filming. You're going to go back into acting. And, it's, you know, I love film. I love working on film. I, I so love working on film. It's like my film family. You know, like I've, even if I'm just like that little blip that went by, you know, the three weeks that we put into that project, you know, that was my film family. There's something uh, that it isn't released yet, so I can't talk about it, but – I'm very, very featured, and I'm with the, you know, the lead actors, so when it, when it comes out eventually, I'll be able to talk about it, but, like, for those three overnights, that was my film family, and that was, like, you know, that's what I love doing, is creating, and it's, like, screw the gym, who cares, screw your day job, if it does not make you happy, you need to do what makes you happy, you may fail, you may fall, you may you know, be lacking money at some point. And yes, you have to have like a side hustle or learn how to make a side hustle so you can make your dream real. I'm not saying you should be homeless and I'm definitely not saying you should just, you know, beg and borrow and steal from people. You have to have a way to pay for your art, but at the same time, don't make that job so important that it takes over and you forget to do your art. And I did that with New York Sports. And I will never do that again. Never. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. Never, ever. I feel you. Exactly. I feel you. Well, Kama, thank you so much. I can't believe it's already been. No, thank time. you, Natalie Jean. It's been a pleasure. I watched oh the sun go down. I'm still on the boardwalk. It's wonderful out here. Ah, the breeze, Belmar breezes. Again, gorgeous song, and everyone was, was so wonderful on that as well. But, man, it's just been such a lovely pleasure talking to you. And when does your album come out, or is it already out? Oh, it's out, dear. 
So, um, yeah, it came out last June. Like I said, I recorded and released it during a pandemic. But because, you know, there's only so much you could do during that time. And granted, I took to the streets and I took to the boardwalks and I took to the parks. But, you know, now that things are getting back up and running, I'm doing my best to actually, like, really start promoting it now. So, you know, here I am. (laughs) So then I will check it out. Thank you so much. You have enlightened me in so many ways. I love your music. I'm going to follow you and check you out. Thank um, you. Have a wonderful thank you. day. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. All right. This My pleasure. This is Chat <laughs> with singer, songwriter, recording artist, and actress, Kamalinda. Go find her at www.kamalinda.com. Until next time on Chatting with Nat. <laughs> Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Love your voice.